you know, it might just be time to ask the genuine question. Do I just stop picking totals? Because, like, I can hold my own against the spread, but my God, my total picks have been just awful this year, and it doesn't feel like I'm getting any better. So maybe you guys let me know that in the comments section below. Now, let's get on with the episode. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tease, and welcome to week nine of my weekly NFL football pick show, a special Wednesday edition, just like the good old days, for the 2020 NFL regular season and postseason. This will give you a nice one-ish hour break from your eyes being glued to the election coverage. And as you can tell right off the top, kind of suffering a little bit of a crisis of confidence in terms of my total picks. Like, I know I can hold my own against the spread, but man, my total plays have been bad uh, last week and just bad in general all year long. But first, some good news. My second straight week going double digits picking the games straight up. Back in week uh, seven, I believe it was, I went 12 and two. And in week eight, I went 11 and three. We are on a big time hot streak picking the games straight up. 78, 40, and one on the season. About four games better than I was at this point last year. It's a clip of 65.5% picking the games straight up. Now against the spread, Again, I held my own. I was just the one game under 500, 6, 7, and 1, so just the second ATS push of the season. That has me one game over 500 on the season at 59, 58, and 2. But again, the totals were an absolute dumpster fire. 3 and 11, picking the totals last week. Just absolute garbage. And over the last two weeks, let's say I was 3 and 11 last week. Week before that, I was, well, I was 7, 6, and 1. But I think I've only had two weeks so far this year where I've been over 500 on the totals. So I'm heavily considering this being my last year picking the totals. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks looked terrible at the top with Tennessee somehow losing by two possessions to the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. And then Green Bay just getting absolutely run over by a returning Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings. So those two definitely did not work out. At the very least, I did pick Kansas City to beat the Jets. Big accomplishment there. And I did pick Philly to beat Dallas. Big accomplishment there. Only went one and three against the spread in those picks. The only one that I got was Philly covering minus seven and a half and only went one and three on the totals. The only one correct being under 48 points in the Chiefs and the Jets. So with those four picks, wasn't exactly what I'd call a banner week. Taking a peek at both the Bridgewater's Finest and the Ante and Co. straight up pick'em pools for 2020, I've now moved into 12th place out of 38 in the Bridgewater's Finest pool, 676 out of 948 possible confidence points. That's a championship clip of 71.3%. If I can maintain that for the rest of the season, I'm going to be right there at the end of the year. Brought in 72 of 105 confidence points in week 8. That's a clip 
clip of 68.6%. Was not good enough to win the week. Shout out to our week eight winner for the second week in a row. It's West Coast Martin. My guy, Martin, wins it the second straight week that he's won the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. He went 10 and four straight up, but managed the confidence points just a little bit better than I did. 75 out of 105 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 71.4. We also have a new leader in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, that being Rel Eagles Fly, my good friend TJ, a longtime member of this community. 82, 36, and 1 straight up on the season, so four games better than I am to this point. 700 out of 948 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 73.8%, and it's good enough to lead the way. Now, I might not have been able to catch Martin in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool to win Week 8, but I did win Week 8 of the Ante and Co. Pool with my 11-3 straight-up record. And I've also moved into a tie for 7th place out of 33 in that pool. We've made some moves here in the last couple of weeks. My 78 straight-up wins, again, tied for 7th place, 65.5%, brought in 11 of the 14 games correct last week, 78.6%, and that was good enough to win week eight all alone. We now have a three-way tie, however, on top of that pick'em pool. Ray's picks, Gavin OC4, and West Coast Martin all have 82 correct straight-up picks in the ante and co-pool. That's a clip of 68.9%, and it's good enough to lead the way. Let's take a peek into Fantasy Corner now to see how my six fantasy football teams did in week eight action. And two out of three ain't bad. I went four and two in week eight action. However, one of those two losses was an important one, and it came in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League. I lost against Half Moon's picks, and it's an important loss because it drops me to three and five. A league where only six teams make the playoffs. I think I currently sit in 11th. However, second place in that league is only four and four. So I'm still only like one game behind there, but I think I'm going to have to beat those teams considering my scoring really is not where it needs to be. And it's heartbreaking because I left that loss on the bench and it absolutely sucks. If I'd have been a little bit more savvy with my starts versus my sits, I probably would have won that matchup because it was very close within about four to five points. Now, luckily, I did pick up the win over the SDMT Fightin' 7 in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League. That moves me to 7-1, and and I believe I'm in first place all alone now in that league. I have Week 9 matchups against Touchdown for Watt in the Professionals Dynasty League, which is actually a projected loss for me right now, and the Wuhan Jackalopes in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League, which luckily for me right now is a projected win, but we're really hitting nut-cutting time, especially in that league. I have to go on a run or my championship will go undefended. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts like this one, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week nine in the NFL, information on joining both the Bridgewater's Finest and Ante and Co. straight up pick em pools for 2020. It's never too late. If you win a week, you get yourself shouted out on this show. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, as well as my good friends and sponsors at Nerd Tease.
Ladies and gentlemen, nerdtease.ca, you know them by now, and if you don't love them by now, you should. Nerdtease.ca, you can hit my promo code of BWFINEST, which is going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 100 bucks, which is a heck of a deal. And you're going to get a great conversion rate on the US dollar right now, although we'll see how the election goes to see how strong the dollar remains. Today's blend is my Nova Scotian favorite. It is blueberry tea. It smells so incredible. It tastes great. It's got a long-lasting blueberry flavor. And it's actually one of the stronger blueberry flavors in a hot drink that I have ever tasted. It is an excellent blend. And there are dozens and dozens more just like it on nerdtease.ca. Hit that promo code BWFINEST. Save your money. Get your free shipping. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtease.ca. And Christmas is going to be here before you know it, folks. Another 14 games on the docket in Week 9. We have Cleveland, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and the LA Rams on the bye this week. Look, the ATS favorites, they're not doing well this year. The over has kind of recovered on the season a little bit after kind of taking it on the chin for a few weeks. Keep all of these things in mind as we get into our Week 9 slate of games. We're going to begin with tomorrow night's game. The San Francisco 49ers limp into their home building to take on a hometown boy, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. This is the battle of the basement dweller in the NFC West, although the Niners are still 4-4, four and four, so it's you know not really fair to call them a basement dweller, except in the most talented division in football. And the leaders of the NFC North, the Packers at 5-2, and two, despite losing two of their previous three games. The luster has kind of come off the team a little bit. I can, I mean, even as a fan, I can kind of admit that their two losses have not exactly been what you'd call great. And yet at the same time, I can sit here and look at it and be like, well, I mean, look, they lost to Tom Brady. A lot of people lose to Tom Brady. They got run over by Dalvin Cook. That should come as no surprise. They got run over by Raheem Mostert uh, back in the NFC Championship game. Speaking of which, this is a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. The Packers probably still will not have Aaron Jones in their backfield. I know they're being incredibly careful with him. I don't know who in the world's going to play running back after A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams were both kind of knocked away from the team based on, well, Dillon's positive COVID test, I believe, and then Jamal Williams as a close contact. But that pales in comparison to the injury problems on the other sideline. So for the 49ers, we're looking at George Kittle, who fractured his foot last week. He is likely done for the regular season, would likely be back for the playoffs if the Niners can get to the playoffs. Also, running back Tevin Coleman, he re-aggravated his knee injury that he entered last week with. He did not return. It's already been confirmed. He will not play. And quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, he's got a high ankle sprain. He's likely out four to six weeks. Now, there is the possibility, of course, that the Niners could get Debo Samuel back. And there's the likelihood, possibly as well, that the Packers could get back Alan Lazard, who would be an upgrade in the receiving core. I think this is going to be a thrower's game big time for the Green Bay Packers. I think it's going to be a runner's game for the 49ers. The 49ers, they're not idiots. They saw what Dalvin Cook just did to this Packers team a few days ago. And now, of course, without having their top two running backs, really, it's down to Jamichael Hasty as their number one back. Can Jamichael Hasty do some of the same things that Dalvin Cook did? I think it would remain to be seen about that. He did fumble last week. 
The Niners might get Richard Sherman back. I don't think that's going to be enough in the secondary. I think this is going to be a huge game for Aaron Rodgers in the past game. Massive game, I would imagine, for Devontae Adams. And I think Green Bay is going to win this thing, even though the game is in San Francisco. I think these injuries are just a little too insurmountable for the Niners. So let's take Green Bay in San Francisco to beat the Niners. On the line, the Packers are favored by five and a half points. This is gross. I hate that I have to hold my nose and take this line, but I think anything under a touchdown, I feel okay about laying it just because, again, you're, you're missing your starting quarterback. Now, granted, I don't think there's a massive drop-off between Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins. I really, really don't. I, that And that's more an indictment on Garoppolo than it is a criticism of, uh, of Mullins or even a praising of Mullins. But Garoppolo just has not played up to expectations from when he came in. You're losing your biggest, single biggest weapon, one of the single biggest weapons in football in George Kittle in the receiving game. You go from George Kittle to anybody else in the league except for maybe Travis Kelsey, and it's a significant downgrade. And then, again, you're down your top two running backs. Yes, you've got Jarek McKinnon, but what really is his role in this offense? How much are they willing to put on his role? And if it's down to just Jamichael Hasty, Jamichael Hasty is not Raheem Mostert. So I just genuinely think that because of these injuries and because of the situation that the Niners are in, I've got to lay those points, lay the five and a half on the Packers. Totaling the game set at 50 points. Now, I only capped this personally at a mid to high 40. But one thing I'm doing here, there's probably six games, and this would be the first one, that I've allowed myself to be swayed away from what I originally thought. So I am going to be keeping track of those games specifically to see if, hey, maybe I can find a key in the way I'm capping games that will help me improve on the over-unders. And I mean, look, if I can pull that back to 500 by the end of the season, I'd be thrilled with that. So again, I only capped it at a mid to high 40, but between these two teams, the average margin of victory to the over this year has been plus 3.3 points. It's a little more than a field goal. So even though I capped this thing under, I'm going to go over on it and uh, I'm going to trust those numbers and see if that's one of those situations where that's something that I can add to my arsenal and just make my total picks that much more reliable. So we're going to go over 50 points in Green Bay, San Francisco. Let's go Packers 30, Niners 21. Let's go to Atlanta now where the Falcons come in with the benefit of both home field advantage as well as the benefit of the long week. They're going to play host to a Denver Broncos squad that had no business winning their game last week except for the fact that they were playing the Chargers. Atlanta on the happy side of things last week picking up the win but still only 2-6 and six and in the basement of the NFC South. Meanwhile, the Denver Broncos, speaking of the basement, not quite the basement anymore since they did pick up that win against the Chargers last week. Broncos have actually turned it on a little bit here. They're 3-2 and two in their last five games. Yes, they're still a game under 500, but they're not exactly fully out of things yet. I just need to see more from the offense. 
no new injuries here to report one way or the other. So what this really comes down to for me is like I don't think there's a massive difference between these two teams. I really don't. Like one's two and six, the other's what did we say three and four. Um, both of them are underperforming defensively. I mean, Denver certainly underperforming offensively. Atlanta, at the very least, can score some points. But if you're looking at two relatively similar teams, you're looking at two teams that, you know, margins are really going to dictate who wins and who loses. Here's a significant margin for you. The Falcons have not won at home this year. They've played four home games. They've lost all four of them. I would make the argument at least two of those games, a game against the Bears and a game against the Detroit Lions, two of those games Atlanta probably should have won at the very least on paper. So it's really tough for me to pick a team that's 0-4 over in their own building. And to the Broncos' credit, they're 2-1 and away from home. They're playing better right now than I would say the Atlanta Falcons are. I'm going to take the upset here. No real injuries one way or the other, like new injuries anyway, to talk about. I genuinely think the Denver Broncos win this game. So we are going to take the upset here. We're going to go with Denver in Atlanta to beat the Falcons. On the line, the Falcons are favored by three and a half points at home. I really don't like that half point, that extra hook. I like Denver to win outright, so I'm more than happy to take those three and a half. Not only are the Falcons winless at home, they have failed to cover against the spread as a favorite this year. They're also 0-4. Totaling the game set at 50 points. I capped this game at a low 60, and the two teams are combined margin of victory against the over is plus 3.1, so it's pretty close to the same as Green Bay and San Francisco. Let's lean over on this one. Let's go over 50 points in Denver, Atlanta. Another nail-biter, another barn burner, another heartbreaker if you're an Atlanta Falcons backer like my good friend Chris. Denver 31, Atlanta 30 go to Buffalo now where the Bills are going to play host to the Seattle Seahawks and they're going to go into this game and try to survive this game down probably their starting center. As is tradition, the freezer just kicked on, so we move a little bit to the left. This is a battle of two division leaders, Bills leading the AFC East at 6-2, Seahawks leading the NFC West at 6-1. Something's got to give for these two teams. The defenses on here are pretty darn similar in terms of what they've allowed this year, but there is a significant margin on the offense. Seattle, one of the best offenses so far through just about the first half of the season. They've put up about 240 points in their seven games. Russell Wilson is balling out. As I mentioned, Bills will likely be down their starting center, Mitch Morse. He suffered a concussion last week. That is his fifth concussion since 2015. This is a significant thing to keep an eye on for the Buffalo Bills. At what point do you have to consider the health of the player more important than having him back out on the football field? He's in concussion protocol. His status is uncertain. If it were me, I realize this is a very pivotal football game. I realize that Buffalo can kind of look behind him and see like, oh, Miami's kind of doing some stuff. And I totally understand that. But five concussions in four years and a little bit, that's scary stuff. That may come as good news for the Seahawks newest addition, Carlos Dunlap. 
I think I got to ride with the Seahawks here. I think they're head and shoulders the better football team here. Certainly the better team on offense. And I think if Buffalo's going to be beating some of these teams in the next few weeks, I think they got to do it on the back of their offense. I don't think the offense is going to keep up here in a shootout. Let's take Seattle in Buffalo to beat the Bills, my third straight road team. On the line, Seattle's a two and a half point favorite on the road in Buffalo. That's about the line I would have expected to see. I like Seattle to win. It's a small price to pay. The Seahawks are four and two against the spread this year as favorites. Two out of three ain't bad. So let's lay those two and a half points. Take the Seahawks minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 55 points. I've got this capped like the previous game in the low 60s, and the two teams are combined 10-4-1 against the over so far this year. So let's take over the 55 points in Seattle-Buffalo. Let's go Seahawks 33, Bills 28. Go to Indianapolis now for the battle of two of the best defenses in the AFC, the Indianapolis Colts versus the Baltimore Ravens, both teams coming in with an injury concern. Gotta believe the Colts here know that they're the best team in this division. I mean, look, they're talking about the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Titans, and no disrespect to the Titans, but the Titans have a lot of issues defensively. They're cutting people on the defensive side that have been underperforming. And I understand that that can be a real motivational kick in the pants, but Indy's got to believe they're the best team in this division. They sit at five and two, the same record as Tennessee. Titans hold the tiebreaker for now, but Titans going in the wrong direction. Colts going in the right direction, winners of two consecutive games. Now, as for the Baltimore Ravens, they've fallen two games behind the Pittsburgh Steelers in the battle for the AFC North. Steelers, of course, the only undefeated team left in football. Incredible defense for the Baltimore Ravens, but of course, they're dealing now with a bit of a COVID scare on the defensive side specifically. The Ravens, their offense can be good, but their offense is inconsistent. Speaking as someone who is a Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown stack owner, in the Progs Fantasy Football League, I can tell you this offense is frustrating at times. Ravens have dropped two of their last five games. Meanwhile, the Colts are heating up, like I mentioned. Two straight wins, four and one in the last five. But again, there will be injury concerns on both sidelines here. For the Colts, it's wide receiver T.Y. Hilton. He injured his groin last week. He did not return. His status is uncertain. Haven't seen an update on him as of this morning. And on Baltimore's sideline, it's a big loss. One of the best left tackles in football, Ronnie Stanley, injured his ankle last week. He was carted off. And per Coach Harbaugh, he is done for the season. He just signed a big extension. I think it made him either the highest paid or second highest paid left tackle in football. Boom, ankle injury. He's done for the year. Just a devastating loss for Baltimore's offensive line, which may be the most important offensive line in football, considering how important the run game is to the success of the Baltimore Ravens. Taking all that into consideration, this is the second in the last three games that I think the underdog wins this game outright. The Colts are the underdog here, despite the fact that they're at home. I think the Colts' injury is less significant than Baltimore's is because the Colts have just been playing next man up at the receiver position all season long. I think they just got Michael Pittman back off of IR, so he should be back in the fold. I think Indy will be able to overcome their 
injury loss a lot quicker than Baltimore will. I like the upset here. I'm taking the Colts at home to beat Baltimore. On the line, the Colts are only two and a half point dogs at home. So Vegas does consider this a relatively close matchup in no small part, I'm sure, due to the defenses. But I like the Colts to win outright, so I will take those two and a half points. Total in the game set at 46, one of the more contentious totals for me this week. I only capped this game at a low to mid 30, but then I look at it and I'm like, God, 46 is so easy to go over on. So I really flip-flop back and forth on this one. Here's where I ultimately landed on it. These two teams, their margin of victory to the over this year averages less than a single point. So they're like right on the money with their totals this year. And I'm just going to defer to the fact that these are two really good defenses. I think this is a defensive battle from start to finish. Let's lean under on Baltimore and Indianapolis on 46 points. Under 46. Let's go Indy 20. Baltimore 13. Let's hit our first divisional matchup of the week. We're going to go to Minnesota, where the Vikings, again, fresh off that victory against the Packers, where Dalvin Cook ran wild for four touchdowns, now get to play a Detroit Lions team that is down, arguably, their most dangerous weapon. Minnesota absolutely cannot afford to take this Detroit Lions team lightly, especially considering they're looking up at them in the standings. Minnesota has not won a game at home this season. They're 0-3. Meanwhile, Detroit, all three of their wins have come away from home. However, Detroit has not won a game yet inside this division. They are 0-2, and at the very least, Minnesota beat a division opponent just last week. But this has been an exceedingly disappointing season for the Minnesota Vikings, currently sitting at 2-5, and five, and a lot of that problem has been on the defensive side. Statistically speaking, the worst scoring defense in that division. You might expect them to be worse than the Bears, but you would have expected them to be at least be competitive with the Packers and better than the Lions, and that just hasn't been the case so far. As I mentioned, the Lions will enter this game down, arguably their biggest weapon on the offensive side. That's Kenny Galladay. He injured his hip, and he's expected to miss at least week nine, if not a few weeks into the future. So that's definitely going to hurt the pass potential here for the Detroit Lions. They're probably going to lean more on their run game. DeAndre Swift has, I think, exceeded expectations a little bit this year. Detroit's run game a little bit better than I even expected it to be. I don't think it's going to be enough to beat Minnesota here. I think the Vikings are riding high off that win against the Packers. I don't think this is going to be a letdown game. I think this Vikings team is too good to be winless at home. I'm going to take Minnesota at home to beat Detroit. On the line, the Vikings are laying four points as home favorites. I totally understand that line. I'm laying those points, taking the Vikings minus four. Total in the game set at 52 points. This to me was a pretty darn perfect total. The Vikings are 5-2 to the over this year and Detroit's kind of middling. So I think I'm going to lean on the over there. I think we'll see plenty of points. Another big game I would assume from Dalvin Cook. Let's go over 52 points in Minnesota-Detroit. Let's go Vikings 30, Lions 24. 
Back-to-back division matchups now. Let's go to Jacksonville for the battle to remain relevant in the AFC South. A battle of one and six teams. The Jags playing host to Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. Now the Jags are on a six-game slide after winning their opening game of the season. Houston has lost two straight, so somebody's getting back on the happy side of par here. Both of these teams do have a win inside the division so far. It only took Houston two games. It's taken Jacksonville three. Of course, they got that win at the opening game of the season. And uh, not a lot to celebrate since then, if you're the Jags. That defense is awful. And don't get me wrong, Houston's defense is awful too, but a little bit less awful. And the offense has just not been good. About a little more than 20 points a game, around 21 points. Houston, not a ton better but a little bit better. Both of these teams will be incredibly well-rested considering they're both coming in off of their bye. They have to know each other very well. They do know each other very well. The popular sentiment here might be to take this as an upset game because one side is favored very heavily. Hevered hevered very favorably? (laughs) What's... Close enough. Favored very heavily on the line. Like the the Texans are seven-point favorites on the road. That's a huge, huge line. And you might wonder, well, where in the world does that come from? And it comes from the fact that the Jags are giving up 34 points a game over their last four. And aside from last week, the offense really has not looked all that good in that time frame. And for all you can say negative about the Houston Texans, they have been scoring points lately, 27 points a game on average over their last four. Ultimately, what this boils down to for me is the Texans are playing better football right now. I'm going to take the team that's playing better football right now. I got to see Jacksonville do it at least once before I can even consider picking them again. So let's take Houston on the road in Jacksonville to beat the Jags. And on the line, I am going to lay those seven points on the Houston Texans. The Jags only two and four against the spread as an underdog this year. The average margin of victory is way down there. I think Houston covers this number. They might not fly over it, but I think they cover minus seven. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. I had this thing capped at a high 60 and their average margin of victory to the over supports that at plus 3.5. So let's take the over in this one. Let's go over 50 and a half points in Houston, Jacksonville. Let's go Texans 38, Jags 30. Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Chargers fresh off of not only a significant injury on their defensive line, but yet another embarrassing loss. Chargers going to Charger, despite the fact that Justin Herbert is playing out of his mind trying to get this team wins. They're going to come in and play host to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now the Raiders have an injury of their own to be concerned with, and they're on the tail end of back-to-back road games. By virtue of losing four of their last five games, the Chargers now sit at a woeful two and five in the basement of this division, the AFC West. The Raiders at four and three, they're in second place, like everybody else looking up at the Chiefs. Chargers have failed to get the job done both times they've had an opportunity at a division opponent, including last week, a game they had no business losing, yet somehow managed to Chargers their way out of it. At what point do you just fire Anthony Lynn, even if he's not the problem? 
As I mentioned, injuries here on both sidelines. For the Chargers, it's defensive end Joey Bosa. He suffered a concussion last week. He's in protocol. His status for this week is uncertain. But as we have seen with the Chargers over the last year or two, they have this two-headed monster on their defensive line, Joey Bosa and uh, Melvin Ingram. When one of those two is not in the lineup, this is a completely different defense. It's not nearly as effective. When they're both in there, this defense is dangerous and arguably is capable of beating anybody, certainly on the, beating them on the line. But when one of these two players is not in, this defense is completely different. Chargers, of course, giving up another big opportunity here because on the Raiders' sideline, left tackle Sam Young. Now, he's their backup left tackle, but he's certainly better than their third stringer. He re-aggravated a knee injury last week. He did not return. His status is uncertain. So if that coin falls one way or the other, either Young plays and Bosa doesn't or Bosa plays and Young doesn't, that will swing the tide of this football game one way or the other. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think either one of them are going to play this week. I think they're going to, I think the Chargers hold Bosa out, and I don't think Sam Young's going to be ready. Raiders have a lot more going against them with the fact that it's back to back road games. Teams on the tail end of back to back roadies, just 12, 14, and 1 straight up this season. So it's certainly a coin flip, even a little worse than a coin flip. But I still like the Raiders, and I'm still going to pick the Raiders. And this just goes to show you how much I do not trust the Chargers as a team, as a concept. And I mean, I thought it was Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers went to Indianapolis. There was like a little bit of stink still on them in Indianapolis because they lost a game or two that I don't think they should have lost. But they've also won a game or two that I didn't think they were going to win. This team still has the stink on them of lack of reliability. This team still has the stink on them of unpredictability. This team still stinks (laughs) so i'm gonna take the raiders here they're the better team playing better right now even though they're on the road even though it's their second straight road game i'm still gonna take the raiders in los angeles to beat the chargers and i'm getting points to do so as of right now the chargers laying a single point as the home favorite i like the raiders to win outright so give me that point Total in the game set at 53 points. Now, this is the second such game that I looked at, and I'm going against the way I originally capped it. I only capped this game about a mid-40, which would be a pretty strong under for me. But the two teams are combined 9-4 and 1 to the over this year. So I'm going to lean on that, and I'm going to tell you to go over the points, the 53 points in the Raiders and the Chargers. We know these two offenses are more than capable of putting up points. So let's go Raiders 30 Chargers 24. Now onto one of the most interesting matchups of the week for me, the Arizona Cardinals coming into this game fresh off their bye, taking on the Miami Dolphins. And again, Miami is no joke right now. They are playing some of the best football I've ever seen the Miami Dolphins play. The Dolphins have won three straight games. They're four and one in their last five, and they've beaten two of their three NFC opponents so far this year. That's not typical Miami Dolphins football. It's not typical Miami Dolphins football to be playing this well on the defensive side of the ball, allowing under 20 points per game so far on the season. 
This is, of course, to take nothing away from an Arizona Cardinals squad that is 5-2 on the year. They've also won three straight games, and they've beaten their only AFC opponent so far this year. So this is a much better matchup than I think a lot of people are giving it credit for. No significant injuries on either side of the ball, at least no recent ones for either team. So really, this is just straight up, which team do I think is better? When I look at, you know, again, it's it's recency bias because it's only the most recent four games. I think Miami has arguably, over their last four games, been the second best team in football if you don't take into account strength of schedule. Like, they've been playing incredible football. And aside from, like, one defensive hiccup, which the offense, uh, you know, which the offense overcame, they've been playing incredible football. And again, so have the Cardinals. I would put the Cardinals in the top five probably over the last their last four games. They've beaten good teams. Miami's beaten good teams. There's just something about this Dolphins team, man. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins on the road in Arizona, upset city. Dolphins beat Kyler Murray. And the Arizona Cardinals. On the line, the cards are favored by a full five points. So I like my Dolphins to win. I'm more than happy to take those five points. Dolphins as an underdog this year, four and two against the spread. Total in the game set at 48 points. Another game that I actually capped in the mid-50s, which would be a pretty strong over for me. But the two teams are only 3-11 and 11 to the over so far this year. Easily the worst margin of any teams that we're going to look at here this week. So I think i got to stay under on it. There's been no money to be made betting the overs with these two teams. So let's stick under 48 points in Miami, Arizona. Dolphins 24 Cards 23, big upset win for Miami. Let's get back on the division game train now with the Tampa Bay Bucks at home to the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay coming into this game on the short week, having beaten the Giants just barely on Monday Night Football. Saints come in on the tail end of back-to-back road games. Context of this division, very, very, very interesting. Bucks at 6-2, and two, Saints at 5-2. and two. Both of these teams on at least three game win streaks. The Saints have won four in a row. And boy, the Saints have not lost a division game so far this year. They are 2-0. and oh. The Bucks playing incredible offensive and defensive football. Obviously, you have a quarterback matchup here of two surefire, bona fide Hall of Famers. I feel like I say this every single week. The specter of Michael Thomas is there. He didn't play last week because he suffered a hamstring injury in practice. I don't know whether he's playing this week. There's been no confirmation one way or the other. But anytime he comes back, he shifts the tide for the New Orleans Saints. Since I don't know that he's going to come back, I have to take the better of the two football teams, especially considering they're playing at home. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Bucks here, even though it is the short week, a little less time to prepare. It's Tom Brady. I'm not worried about preparation. And it looks like Antonio Brown will play his first game since last season. Uh, man, this is going to be a fun game to watch. I really hope I get the chance to watch this one from start to finish. I'm going to take the Bucks at home to beat the Saints. On the line, though, Bucks are favored by five and a half points. I think I'm going to take those. This feels like an okay hedge to me. This is a game that the Saints could very easily win, especially if Michael Thomas does come back. Saints could come up with an outright victory here. I'm going to hedge my bets and take those five and a half points on New Orleans. 
Total in the game set at 51.5. Third straight game where I'm going to allow the fact that the two teams are very heavily on one side of the coin to influence how my pick goes. I had this game capped at a low 40 originally, but the two teams are 12 and 3 to the over this year. No money to be made betting these two teams staying under. So let's go over 51.5 points in New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Let's go Bucks 28. Saints 24 and the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum gold silver and bronze picks for week nine is the Monday night football matchup of the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. Patriots would be in the basement of this division were it not for an all-time terrible first half of the season for the New York Jets, winless in eight attempts, where they've only scored about 11, maybe 12 points a game. Their defense is playing terribly, and at the very least, the Patriots have looked competitive in a lot of their games. Patriots on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They have not won on the road yet this year. They are 0-3. I know there are people that are taking the Jets to win this game outright. And I fully understand it. Look, the Patriots are on their own slide. They've lost four games in a row. They've looked bad in most of those games. But this is still the AFC East. They're still the New England Patriots. It's still Bill Belichick. He still knows these teams better than anybody. And the Jets are 0-8 and they stink. So let's take the Patriots on the road in New York to beat the Jets despite the things that might be going against the Patriots in this matchup. We're going to take New England to win the game on the road. On the line, the Patriots are favored by a touchdown, which is disgusting. Just legitimately just disgusting. Now, as underdogs, the Jets are 1-6 against the spread. So not only are they losing, they're not even covering against often big numbers. So let's just lay the points, hold the nose big time here, lay those seven points on the New England Patriots. Total in the game set at 42.5 points. This to me is pretty well a perfect total. This is right around where I expected it to be. The two teams are combined 6-9 and nine to the over this year, which is not a strong lean, but these two teams suck. So let's stay under 42.5 points, because I don't know what I'm going to get from either offense in this game. Under 42.5 in New England, New York. Let's take Patriots 25, Jets 16. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week nine in the NFL. We're going to start at the bottom with the bronze pick. Still a perfect, flawless, immaculate 8-0 and straight up on the season. Betting picks, not so much, but I mean, they're, they're kind of treading water. 7-8-1 and one combined on the betting picks. My bronze pick sees the Washington football team coming off their bye, a division matchup against a New York Giants team that, man, they just about did the thing against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks on Monday Night Football. But considering they played on Monday Night Football means they're coming into the game on the short week against a very well-rested Washington team whose defense is playing incredibly well right now. As I said, this is a division matchup in the NFC East, if you can call that a division. Giants sitting at 1-7, and seven, Washington second place in the division at a robust 2-5. and five. Both of these teams 1-4 and four in their last five games. Giants have now lost back-to-back games and are 1-6 and six against NFC teams. 
at the very least, Washington 2-3 and three against NFC teams, which means both of their wins have come against NFC teams, and both of their wins have come inside this division. I have to lean on the fact that Washington has a significantly better defense. The offenses are kind of a coin flip. They're about the same but I got to lean on Washington here. We'll take the one margin that I think is firmly in one team's favor. And of course, they're better rested. They just came off their bye. People can say what they want about Washington. They are only giving up 21 points a game over their last four games. That is good enough for me to tell you to take Washington at home to beat the New York Giants. Now on the line, Washington laying three points as a home favorite. I like them to win. It's a relatively small price to pay. Now, the Giants as an underdog against the spread this year are five and two. So I'm going against that trend. But they're five and two with a margin of victory of negative 7.9. So they're five and two, but they've had some big spreads against them. Some large spreads that they've managed to cover. But in games where they're an underdog, on average, they're losing those games by eight points. Washington's only laying three in this game. I'm going to take Washington to cover minus three. Total in the game set at 41 and a half points. I capped this game at a low 30. The two teams are, like the previous matchup, only six and nine to the over this year. So even though this is the lowest number, tied for the lowest number that we're going to look at this week, let's stick under because who knows what you're going to see offensively in this game. Under 41 and a half points in New York, Washington. Take Washington straight up. We're going to hammer Washington minus three against the spread in a game that stays under 41 and a half points. That is your bronze pick. Let's go football team 21, Giants 10. My silver pick where I'm a strong seven and one straight up, nine, six and one on the betting picks. So the silver pick remains the strongest of my picks so far this year. Sees the Tennessee Titans at home playing host to the Chicago Bears. Now, both of these teams have an injury concern heading into this game. Both of them, I didn't think, looking particularly great last week. Now, yes, Chicago did take the Saints to overtime. They did lose that game, but, you know, the Saints were all, they only pushed against the spread as they were only three-point favorites. I criticize the Chicago Bears much more than most people do and much more than I probably should. This is a bad offense. It's the worst offense in this division. It's one of the worst offenses in the NFC, if not the worst scoring. Nah, it's among the worst scoring offenses. But look, this is not a good offense. Their defense has been good, but not the greatest. All five of their wins have come against NFC opponents. They're not playing an NFC opponent this week. They're playing an AFC opponent and a good one in the Tennessee Titans. As I mentioned earlier, like the Titans defense is a problem. Their defense is not playing well and their defense leads to most of their losses, I would say. In fact, they've suffered two straight losses after starting the season 5-0. and I'm not worried about Tennessee's defense against Chicago because I know Chicago can't establish the run the way they need to for either one of their quarterbacks to manage the game properly. David Montgomery does not do that. The, the combination of David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen might have done that, but they don't have Tariq Cohen. And look, Cordero Patterson, it was a fun experiment, Matt Nagy, but in the way you're utilizing him, I don't think it's working. And I don't think it's going to work against the Titans team. 
As I mentioned, injuries on both sides here. For the Titans, it's wide receiver Adam Humphreys. He suffered a concussion last week. He is in protocol. His status is uncertain. And for the Bears, it's on the offensive line. Right tackle Bobby Massey. He injured his knee. I feel like I called Bobby Massey's name last year with a knee injury. It might have been a couple years ago. He could miss a month per a report from the Chicago Tribune, so he certainly will not be playing in this game. That hurts Chicago's pass offense, certainly hurts their run offense. It's a nice boon for Tennessee's pass rush. See if they can start getting home a little more on whether it's going to be Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, and apparently we're back to asking that question. And you know what? I probably shouldn't even criticize that. They benched Trubisky when he was 3-0. and The Bears are very quickly becoming the LA Chargers for me in that I have very little confidence in them, if at all. Let's take Tennessee despite Tennessee's loss last week and a bad loss. Two possessions to Cincinnati. They shouldn't have lost the game at all, much less by two possessions. So despite that, we're going to lean on the Tennessee Titans one more time. Titans beat Chicago in Tennessee. On the line, the Titans are laying five and a half points as the favorite. This is the line they laid last week. Favorites of minus five and a half. Granted, last week they were on the road. This week they're in their own building, which is nice. However, I'm taking the points on the Chicago Bears. Uh, I probably should have taken the points on the Bears the last couple of weeks. The Titans are only one and five against the spread as a favorite this year. The Bears are five and two against the spread as an underdog this year. So this is just business. This is, there's not much money to be made betting Tennessee as a favorite, and there's not much money to be made betting against Chicago as an underdog. So we're going to take those five and a half points on the Chicago Bears. Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. Another game that I'm allowing a particular record, a particular trend to overrule my own personal capping. I capped this at like a low to mid 40, but the Titans are 5-1-1 and to the over this year. So we are going to lean on the over here since I like the Titans to win. Let's go over 46 and a half points in Chicago, Tennessee. Titans straight up, but we're hedging our bets and taking the Bears plus five and a half points in a game that goes over 46 and a half points. That is my silver pick. Let's go Titans 27, Bears 23. My gold pick where I'm six and two straight up, but an abysmal five and 11 on the betting picks this year. We got to get that turned around and fast. We got to get that started to turn around yesterday, but we don't have that option. So next best bet is today. Sees the Dallas Cowboys at home taking on a Pittsburgh Steelers team, the only undefeated team left in football. However, they've got an injury and they're coming in on the tail end of back-to-back road games. I'm not going to waste your time here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this game. They're absolutely going to win this game. However, I am going to, of course, give respect to defensive tackle Tyson Alualu. He likely has a sprained MCL. He's likely to miss multiple weeks. He probably won't be playing this week. However, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers just brought in another piece on the defensive side. This defense is so deep. I'm not at all worried about the fact that they're probably going to be playing Dallas's 3A quarterback. It's either going to be Ben DiNucci or it's going to be Cooper Rush. And they haven't decided who that's going to be yet. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott wins this game on his own for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's take the much better team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, despite the back-to-back roadies, despite the minor injury on the defensive side. Steelers in Dallas beat the Cowboys. 
On the line, the Steelers are laying a Baker's dozen and a half, 13.5 points, which also feels gross. And if it kind of feels gross that I'm going to take that because it is the biggest line of the week. Pittsburgh, they're four and one against the spread as a favorite. Dallas has failed to cover against the spread this year as an underdog. They're 0-3. So let's just lay those points. Pittsburgh, we know Pittsburgh's the better team. They might win this thing by 30. So let's just take the points. Minus, or sorry, not take the points. Let's just lay the points. Steelers, minus 13 and a half. Total in the game set at 41 and a half points. I got this game at a low to mid 40, so right around this number. Steelers are 4-2 and 1 to the over this year. I like them to win, so let's go over on this one. It is such a low number, but over 41 and a half points in Pittsburgh, Dallas. Steelers straight up, we're going to lay the points. We're not hammering, we're laying the points. Laying 13 and a half points on Pittsburgh in a game that goes over 41 and a half points. That is my gold pick. Steelers 30, Cowboys 14, and my platinum pick where I'm only 4 and 4 straight up this year. So the game that seems like it's the one I'm most confident in, it's only a coin flip, 4 and 4, and an identical 5 and 11 on the betting picks. That happens when you've lost 4 of the games straight up. The Kansas City Chiefs at home playing host to the Carolina Panthers who not only come in on the long week, but probably get the best running back in football, or at least one of them, back in the fold this week. Obviously, the Chiefs already starting to pull away in the AFC West, a two and a half game lead over the Las Vegas Raiders. Chiefs sit at seven and one. They're winners of three straight games. All of their games have come against AFC opponents so far this year, so this is their first taste of the NFC. Carolina has played two AFC opponents. They won one of those games, but they're on a three-game slide after really looking like they had managed that Christian McCaffrey injury just immaculately, but Panthers on a three-game slide. Looks like McCaffrey will be back this week. I would expect him to immediately slide back into a massive touch roll, probably 20 to 25 touches in this game. He's so dynamic. You can use him all over the place. I just don't think it's enough for Carolina to pick up the win here. Look, maybe if the game was in Carolina, maybe this would be the possibility for an upset, even though KC would probably still be heavily favored in that game by at least a touchdown. We're going to take the Chiefs here, and we're not going to think too much about it. Let's take Kansas City in Kansas City to beat Carolina. On the line, the Chiefs are laying 10.5 points as the home favorite. The line is justified to me. The Chiefs are 5-2 and two against the spread as the favorite this year. So we're just going to take those 10.5 points because it just feels like the right thing to do. Chiefs are scoring a ton. Their defense is playing great. Carolina's defense is playing good too. But man, they are not scoring points lately. And that actually leads me to the last total pick, of course. Total in the game set at 52.5 points. I had this thing capped at a high 50, pushing into a 60, but the two teams are only 6-10 and 10 to the over this year. It's not like Kansas City is blowing out all these overs this year. They play a lot more unders than they do overs. I'm going to stick under on this number. I think it's going to be very close, but let's stay under 52.5 points in Carolina, Kansas City. Let's go Chiefs straight up. We're going to hammer the Chiefs minus 10.5 against the spread in a game that stays under 52.5 points. That is your platinum pick. Chiefs 31, Panthers 20. There you have it, folks. Those are your picks for Week 9, and it is time now for the patented comment of the week from the Week 8 episode. 
The comment of the week from the week eight episode, you know what? He's won two straight weeks in the pick and pool. I might as well give him the comment of the week as well. It goes to my good friend, West Coast Martin. His comment was, when I make my picks, I don't look at the odds until I'm finished. Thus, I have Kansas City clobbering the Jets 37 to nine. Hey, they cover. And I think that was, was that not pretty darn close to what the actual score of the game was? 37 to nine. I got to go back here. Because now it's now it's just now it's a requirement. I need to know. I need to know if Martin is a time traveler. Martin, you missed the damn game by two points, man. That's incredible. You had it thirty-seven to nine, and you posted that a week ago. They won the game thirty-five to nine. That's crazy, my guy. That is why you are West Coast Martin. That is why you've won this thing two weeks in a row, and that is why yours is the comment of the week from the week eight episode. Kudos, my friend. That's incredible. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The Week 9 episode is now in the books. Sorry, of course, for the delay. Wasn't feeling the greatest yesterday. And you know what? I know a lot of people weren't either as they've been watching the election results come in in real time. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled, as always, by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. I hope I was able to give you at least a little bit of distraction from what's going on in the political climate in the U.S. Enjoy the games in Week 9. We'll see See you again as the NFL enters double digits in its weeks, week 10 on deck. 